Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. This is Dan Bryant from the Road Vikings. You're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Bumblefoot, and you're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Yeah. What's up? It's Mike Orlando from Adrenaline Mob and a Beautiful Disaster, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Molson Canadian presents Heavy Montreal, August 7th, 8th, and 9th, outdoors at Parche Entrepot, featuring Slipknot, Faith No More, Corn, and Alexis on Fire. Three full days of rock and metal with Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, No FX, Billy Talent, and many more. Festival passes on sale now. For the full festival lineup, visit HeavyMontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hey, this is Mark Striegel, and welcome to another edition of... I almost said one-on-one with Mitch Lafon. Well, you you should, because it's a great, great great show. Uh, Talking Metal is what we're doing here today. Mitch, how are you? Good, good, actually. Uh, I'm finally recuperating and recovering from all the... I'm off all the heart pills and stuff now, so I'm back to being human. Excellent. (laughs) More human than human. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that your your health is is better, and that's great news. And I'm excited to see you this August up in Montreal, heavy Montreal. Wow, what a great lineup this year. Uh, yep. We had uh, last time you were on the show, we spoke with Rich Ward from Fozzy, who is going to be up there, but so many other great bands. I'm excited to see Pentagram. Uh, were you a Were you a fan of them at all? Um, you know. At a distance, I never bought their albums, but that, I'm actually looking forward to that too. I think that's going to be killer. And then, and then the new band that Heavy Montreal announced, uh, Extreme, doing all of Porno Graffiti. Yeah, that I'm looking forward to. That'll great. be fun. yeah, great stuff. So many great bands from uh, the '80s will be playing, but there's also a lot of new great bands. Just a super wide variety of 
of stuff going on there, including Marky Ramone with Andrew WK, who's going to be doing a set of what sounds like classic Ramone stuff. And uh, I was a big fan of the Ramones, so I cannot wait to hear that. Iggy Pop, you name yep. it. So many great hard rock, punk bands, and of course, heavy metal bands. Lamb of God, Slipknot, and Faith No More. I've been listening to the new record. A lot of great songs on that. So really looking forward to seeing Heavy Montreal with you this year up there in uh, in Montreal, Canada. And we're going to get into some music right now. A great record that I've really been digging. One of my favorites of the year is Win Hands Down by Armored Saint. And this is the title track. This is just a phenomenal song. Let's check this out now on Talking Metal.
What you just heard was a little new Armored Saint. And we have a lot of great interviews on today's show. We have an interview that you did, Mitch, with who? Dez of uh, Cold Chamber. You know, the last time I interviewed Dez, he was with Devil Driver out at Heavy Montreal. And, of course, this year, he's coming back with Cold Chamber, Reunited Cold Chamber. And, of course, they've got a new album out, too. So that was uh, that was a fun time. De- Dez was a great interview back uh, at, uh, at Heavy Montreal in 2011, I think it was. So there you go, Dez. Cool. We're gonna hear we're gonna hear that interview in just a little bit. We also have an interview with Dan Bryant. Chatted with him recently on the phone. Great guy. Great music from his band. And Emily, my wife, and I were up in Englewood, New Jersey, just a couple nights ago at the great Randy Rhodes tribute that was put on by Brian Tishy. You know Brian, right, Mitch? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Brian played on the uh, Kiss a World with Heroes tribute I put a together a couple of years ago and he's uh, out doing some drums with jeff tate and uh, started the dead daisies and of course he's been with foreigner and white snake and yeah gotta love brian great guy yeah and if you haven't heard this the the one song at least i don't know how many songs he was on on your your kiss tribute but the one song i'm thinking of features bumblefoot and rex brown detroit rock city with yes. brian tishy oh that is just such a killer version of the song they did such a great job on that yeah, and he also did I Stole Your Love with uh, Sass Jordan, and uh, they really did a very, very sort of unique version of it. So check that out if you haven't heard it. Both those songs available on iTunes, and the official name of the album, Mitch, is World Without Heroes, or World With Heroes, I'm sorry, right? It is A World With Heroes, yeah. And uh, the iTunes version has actually 11 bonus tracks to what the CD did, and then we did an EP uh, last year to celebrate the one-year anniversary with the Killer Dwarves and uh, Matt Bradshaw and stuff doing some more songs. So there's actually two products out there on uh, iTunes, A World with Heroes and A World with Heroes, the EP. Cool. So stay tuned. Again, we have an interview with Bumblefoot of Guns N' Roses fame. We have an interview with Mike Orlando of Adrenaline Mob fame, We who both those guys were at this Randy Rhodes tribute concert which is where i conducted the uh the interviews um and then we also have uh in addition to des from cold chamber we have dan bryant he used to play in cacophony with jason becker and marty friedman so let's get right into that interview right now this is dan bryant hey this is mark striegel and on the line we have dan from the road vikings checking in with us here on talking metal dan how are you today I'm doing pretty good. Kind of early for me today. Just woke up. Um, I usually don't get up to a little bit later, but this is good. Cool. Well, I want to talk about your past and your history, but let's start off by talking about what you're up to now musically. You have the the band, the Road Vikings, and there was an album that came out last year. Tell us a little bit about the band first off. Uh, your role in the band and who you have playing with you? Well, I guess I'm going to be the founder, the lead guitarist, and the lead singer. I guess I'm kind of like a a one-man rock band with uh, three other people in the group as well. And uh, the main player that I have uh, in my group is 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 a girl named Lisa Tana. And she's our she's my bass player and also my manager, and she's been a solid band member for me for the last like 
mm, I don't know, seven years or so. And we've had uh, many, many different drummers, uh, like 20 different drummers. Drummers are kind of hard to find. We, we, we got more drummers than Spinal Tap. And then I've had, a, I've had a variety of rhythm guitar players as well. So, you know, the musicians have kind of come and gone. The, the only solid person in the group is Lisa. Cool, I got you. And are you guys playing out on a regular basis? Yes, we do. We play uh, at least probably twice to three times a month. We, we have some sort of show somewhere in the area. And uh, we've... Uh, <clears throat> You know, it's been it's been a long haul, but at this point in time, we've kind of refined our show to where we can just kind of go anywhere, set up, and pretty pretty you know confidently, you know, put on a really good show, like uh, like true real entertainers. So when you say put on a, a, a true show, do you have like? Uh, stage show that you're talking about? Do you have Do you have explosions? Do you, what What makes it such a big show? I do bring stage props to the show. Now uh, <clears throat> we are the Road Vikings, and uh, I personally have the image of an actual true real Viking, and I bring a bunch of stage props to the show, and mainly we're energetic band so stage props only go so far we still got to deliver the songs so when we jump out there we're pushing them into your face you know we're you know trying to like uh <clears throat> actively deliver each song cool and last year 2014 you put out a album Requiem of an Outlaw Biker. Now, that was the second album that you guys have put out? Yes, sir. Um, this particular CD is uh, it's a little bit different than the first one. The, the main difference is going to be the sound quality of the second CD. Is uh, It came out really good. And uh, to get a, uh, you know, anybody that's ever done a recording will know that uh, to get a high-quality sound, you know, as an end result is very, very difficult. This particular one actually did come out really good. It's the best-sounding CD I've ever done. Cool. And as far as the songwriting process, were you the sole songwriting person yes, on this? Yes, yes, I was. Yes, I was. Now, I do have a backlog and a catalog of songs from the past. Sometimes I will pull them out and then revamp them. And so there, there are a few songs on there where uh, somebody else shared their hand in the writing or the idea process. Mainly it's my stuff, but I do, I have taken other friends of mine and other musicians. I have a brother who writes songs, and I use some of his parts and ideas in some of his songs sometimes. Cool. Well, Right now, I'd like to get into a little music off the the album, and then we'll come back and chat a little more. What song would you like to play for the Talking Metal listeners today? Jeez, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, you know, <clears throat> I've got a variety of songs on the on the CD. 
some of them are uh, lighter rock, and some of them are a lot heavier rock. So um, I'll tell you what, the first song on the CD is pretty kick-ass. Why don't we just do I Burn in Hell? Awesome. Here it is, I Burn in Hell by the Road Vikings on Talking Metal. Stand up for the future. What you just heard was I Burn in Hell by the Road Vikings. We have Dan from the Road Vikings on the line with us. And, Dan, let's let's go back, way, way back. Uh, some of the Talking Metal listeners might not know, but you were, I think, briefly involved with Jason Becker and Marty Friedman with their band Cacophony. Can you talk a little bit about what you did with them uh, towards the, the end of the uh, Cacophony band? Yes, sir. Um, you know, I've been in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area for quite some time now. I, I wasn't originally from here, but uh, when I started to 
like pursue a career in music, I somehow ended up in this area. So Marty and uh, Jason, well, Jason's from this area. And then Marty and he hooked up, and uh, there was a period of time where they were looking for a singer. And actually, uh, before they even did their first record, were auditioning singers. I was one of the singers they checked out, and I went in and did demo tapes with them. Cool. So you then didn't perform on the records with them, if I understand it correctly, but you did come back and do some touring with them, right? Yeah, there was another uh, musician in the area named Peter Marino, who was actually, you know, at the time, he was like one of the best I thought there ever was. I I would go watch his band, Le Mans. I mean, boy, I was, I'd be blown away by this guy. This guy was a true, real powerhouse of vocals. Like, you wouldn't believe. And so, uh, but he, you know, Peter's friends with uh, Mike Varney, who's the uh, owner of Shrapnel Records. And so when the opportunity came up for the CD, uh, Peter Moreno's band, Lamont, broke up or something like like the day before. They were going to go do tracks. And so he just got the job, bam, just like that. And I understand, you know, how that worked out. I do believe, though, in the long run, I should have been the guy that was on the CDs because eventually they did bring me back into the band, and we went and played some shows. And we were planning to do more recordings and CDs and try to get signed and be like the next big guitar hero band, kind of in the vein of Judas Priest in America. Okay, so had you been writing with them at that time? This would have been after their go-off record, I believe, right? No, no, no. I will tell you, the mastermind of Cacophony was Marty Friedman. And uh, he would just write all the stuff. You know, he would literally, like, write all the songs and write the lyrics and and tell you, you know, here's how I want you to sing it, that kind of thing. Right. Right, so... Uh, was was there any demoing that went on with you, like after the the go off record? You know, I know you did some demos with them before. You said, but like later in the career of Cacophony, did you do any recording with them? No, there was no recordings. But what happened is, uh, they had a show already booked, and they needed a singer really bad, and so <clears throat> I got the wind through the grapevine that. They need a singer, so I just called up Marty and said, Shh, let me come down there now, sing all that crap. So he's like, well, anyway, I start rehearsing with them. Two weeks later, we're at the show. Boom. Okay. And then uh, the show went really good, you know, considering how little time I had to really get in there and know the material fully, you know, the full set that they played live. So, um... I got it. I did it, you know, and I, I did a real good job. And they were happy. Right? They were like, man. And so they were talking about the future. And I'm like, hey, the future, yeah, hell yeah. future looks good. And then uh, we did another show, which you can see. You can actually watch the video, which is online. And it's uh, Cacophony, and uh, the song's called Savage. And uh, it was done at the uh, Ring Theater in Moraga. And you can see me. I mean, I'm, I'm up there singing with the, with the band. And uh, 
Shortly after that show, I got a call from Jason Becker. He said, hey, you know, sorry to tell you, but Marty and I are splitting up. I was like, oh, damn. You know, that was it. That was the end of it. And, of course, Marty went to Megadeth, and then uh, Jason went to uh, David Lee Roth. So those guys got really good, really good jobs. So when he said they're breaking up, did they already have Jason's David Lee Roth gig in place, or did the band officially break up before Jason ended up in David Lee Roth's band? I'm not sure the actual uh, timeline of these things, but I do know this. These, uh, these guitar things that Jason and Marty were doing were not easy things, and those guys had to spend, like, like they were a married couple together, like, extracurricular hours of every day working, you know, playing, learning, you know, we, you know, the, what they were doing was so difficult after so many years of doing it, they just got tired of it, you know, they just couldn't handle it anymore. It was just like, man, we, you know, we need to go do, pursue our own careers and forget this, you know, double lead shit, you know? Right on. Right on. So obviously that was a, a very long time ago, and and the Road Vikings is rather rather new. Uh, I believe your your first record came out back in 2011. What went on for you musically in between Cacophony and the Road Vikings? Well, unfortunately, life you know showed up. You know, life has this way of putting twists and turns onto you. You know. Uh, I had a few setbacks along the way. Uh, you know, I got in trouble with the law. I mean, all kinds of fun things happened to me. But uh, it's all in the pursuit of a dollar so I could pay for my next recording. You know, you end up finding yourself in all kinds of weird positions. So there was a period of time where I wasn't doing anything but dealing with, like, legal problems, stuff like that. That, that, that lasted for, like, 10 years, you know. Right, <laughs> but throughout all my hardships, I always continued to play my guitar, see, and work on, you know, kind of like have my mind on, on the next thing that I was going to do, which is when you hear our CD is a result of all that time and, uh, you know, where my mind went with the situation. On the first CD... I got some really nice songs on there. I mean, it's a very good, a lot of good songs. Unfortunately, the recording quality is not so hot. So it's kind of like a compromising my my ability to just put it on and want to listen to it. But uh, I continued on with good songs into the second CD. And fortunately, now the quality is up to snuff, so I can actually put it on and enjoy listening to it. Cool. Cool. Well, on that note, I want to wrap up here with some more of your music. I was going to play the song The Road to Valhalla. Any uh, stories behind this song you could share with the Talking Metal listeners? Well, I've been a motorcycle enthusiast my whole life. My father was a biker. My grandfather was a, was a world-famous mechanic who toured with Yamaha uh, back in the 70s. He had all the top riders. So it kind of runs in my family, and so when I write my songs, I guess 
with the Beach Boys's, the surfboards, the road bike, and the some motorcycles. And um, this song here is just a a little story about getting out in the wind, getting out there, maybe not knowing exactly where you're going, but when you get there, this whole hell is going to be a good time. Right on. And where is the best place that the Talking Metal listeners can get in touch with you online? Is it Facebook? Yeah, we got the Facebook. Um, Lisa does all the managing stuff, and she's got Facebook. There's a website, uh, Road Vikings, Gmail. You know what? I'm not sure what okay. it is. Well, but, I'll figure uh, it out, and I'll, I'll link it through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Do that, and uh, uh, I was going to say uh, there's a really nice video. If everybody can come online and take a look at it, it's going to be uh, on YouTube. And the song is called "Requiem of the Outlaw Biker" in the Road Vikings, and you can watch that. Awesome, cool. We'll link that also through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Dan, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for calling into Talking Metal. Okay, and thank you for having me.
Mitch, I'm in the mood for some Ozzy right now since I was at this uh, this tribute recently, and I really hope it gets up there to uh, your neck of the woods. It is called Randy Rhodes Remembered, and they've been doing like a mini tour. The Randy Rhodes family is on board. Kelly Rhodes, Randy's brother, was there at the show and actually performed some music with Brian Tishy and, and Mike Orlando and these guys, and it was just like an all-star lineup uh, so many different players. Phil Susan was on bass, former Aussie bassist. Uh, who who else? Metal Mike from Halford was there. Such a such a fun night. I can imagine. And uh, you know, uh, Dez and Cole Chamber did some stuff with Aussie back in the day too. Yeah, I remember that that Peter oh, Gabriel cover. Shock the monkey, right? That would be. Monkey, yeah. That that was actually a killer version of that song. I I really uh. I really thought they 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 made it better quite frankly yeah yeah i know i love that i love that cover version that was great stuff uh speaking of ozzy we'll get into just a, a little sound sample right now of the song diary of a madman which mike orlando just performed and did just a wonderful job with at the randy Rhodes remembered concert on friday night in englewood new jersey it's so nice to hear this song performed live because ozzy just doesn't play this song alive and uh, never has so it was great to hear Mike Orlando, Brian Tishy, and and the guys do this song in a live setting. We'll follow that with a, a brief interview with Mike Orlando from Adrenaline Mob. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and we are here in Englewood, New Jersey, backstage at the Randy Rhodes Remembered concert with Mike Orlando from Adrenaline Mob. How are you, Mike? I'm doing good, Mark, and it's a pleasure to be talking with you, my friend. It's great to talk with you again. We spoke when you were on that metal show, which you just did an excellent job performing as the guitar player on the show. How was that experience for you? Did you get 
turned on to any new fans through the, the performance? It was amazing. I mean, it, an absolute honor to be back on the show. I, I love the TMS family, you know, first as a, as a guest and now this time as the musical guest. So um, it was amazing. Yeah, people nonstop. Seen you on the show? Seen you on the show? Wow. You know, uh, you know, the social media goes crazy and you get all the hits and stuff. And I, I couldn't be more thankful. You know, it was an honor to be on it. Cool. And Mike and I did a segment called That Metal Gear, which we'll have linked through today's show notes. And uh, you can hear all about Mike's gear. But let's talk about tonight. Uh, this is Randy Rhodes Remembered. How you, and it's a tribute to the great, late Randy Rhodes. How did you get involved with this uh, show? You know, I've been doing it for a few years now. Brian Tishy runs it. Um, it's an incredible tribute to Randy Rhodes. Usually his, uh, his sister Kathy and the family is here. Kelly's here tonight. Uh, it's great. Everyone gets involved, and we pay tribute to one of the greatest rock guitar players of all time. You know, doing all the Diary of a Mad Men tracks and all the Blizzard stuff, um, even some Quiet Ride stuff that I perform with Kelly Rhodes, his brother. It's, it's an amazing, magical night, and, and another extreme honor for me to be here playing this. And it's so cool that the, the, his family is actually on board and involved with this. It makes it feel official. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes it more so much more special, you know. You're looking over on the side of the stage and you see his, his brother and his sister and everyone just, you know, loving the fact that we are keeping his name alive and, and you know, playing his music. And that's the great thing about, uh, you know, music is it'll live forever absolutely now we all know you from the adrenaline mom but let's talk about your new band sure yeah we just got off a long uh you know few months cycle with adrenaline mob the new album dearly departed it was great we did uh, a couple of months in the states we went over to south america did a did a couple of uh, weeks over there it's been great now it's uh you know, turn the page. The, the new chapter is my new band called A Beautiful Disaster with myself and uh, an amazing new singer, um, you know, new to me. His name is Nick Coyle. He's uh, an incredible talent, writing and everything. We have a great chemistry. Um, we're looking to launch it real soon. The album is done. As soon as I get home, we're going to start, the, you know, doing the tracks for it. So hopefully it'll be wrapped by the end of the summer and we'll either launch it in, in the fall or first quarter. The album will be out and uh, I'm super excited. And how does the, st- the style musically differ from Adrenaline Mob? It's a little more mainstream, a little more, um, you know, I hate to say other you know bands that it might sound like because you know we try and be original and and nick has a very unique original voice but um you know along the lines of maybe a foo fighters a shine down incubus more of the you know radio oriented rock bands still still heavy still some you know killer guitar work and and great playing but we try and do it in more of a um you know commercially viable outlet so that's all you know Excellent. And first off, talking about Adrenaline Mob, we have to say we're just so incredibly sorry to hear about your drummer and your good friend, A.J. Perro, and uh, condolences on that. Yeah, th- thank you. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a long, hard few months, or it feels, it doesn't even, I don't even know if it's been that long. It just feels forever, you know, being out on the road without them. And, uh, you know, we, we honored our obligation. We made it to the finish line with all of our shows and got a fill-in drummer just to because he would have uh, he would have killed me if right. we didn't do it. <laughs> so uh, I miss him. I love him dearly, and uh, you know we played from every night. We did the best we could to 
to pay tribute to my boy. And, you know, I found it interesting that he actually was going to be leaving the tour. And and I guess it it just, uh, you know, sadly didn't happen soon enough. But you said that last show that you did with him was just incredible, right? It was Baltimore, Maryland. And, yes, he he had such a problem with with his arm, with his left arm. You know, he thought that it was – he thought something was wrong. He thought it might have been a rotator cuff. Something pulled. Um, it was re- very related to his heart problem and, you know, a minor stroke and stuff like that. So, yeah, he had to go home. It was killing him to go home. You know, uh, he, he didn't want to. It was, you know, he's an old-school Italian, you know, real stubborn, you know. <laughs> That's what I love about him. Um, so to his last day on this earth, he played the most amazing show in Baltimore. We were just dumbfounded. We were like, holy cow, on fire, you know. And, uh, yeah, the sad thing is is he was going home the next day and just didn't make it home. You know, that that's one thing that will, uh, you know, kind of haunt me. I wish he would have been able to, you know, go home and, and just, you know, say hello to his loved ones or, or God forbid, you know, goodbye. You never know when it is. But it, that, So that's the really sad thing. But he was on the road and doing what, his, what he loved. So... Died doing what he loved. Yeah, I mean, how could you, you know, he he left it on that stage, like really did, you know. He really, you could really say he, that was it. He went out the way he wanted to. So, looking into the future for Adrenaline Mob, what what do you see? Is there a break happening now, and how long do you imagine that'll last? Yeah, I mean, definitely, we're going to take a little bit of a break, even if it's a, a year or a year and a half. I mean, we've done four releases in four years. We, you know, so it's like we just want to regroup. Um, you know, of course, we have to find a, you know a new drummer at at some point, obviously. Um, but you know, the guys in the band have Russell's do Symphony X starts their new cycle, and then he goes into the TSO cycle, and then continues with the Symphony X cycle, and myself launching a beautiful disaster. So. It's kind of cool. It's a it's a cool break to relax and and um, and figure out you know who we're going to get next on drums. You know, you never know who. Right on. Now to circle back to what what's happening tonight, the Randy Rhodes Remembered Concert. Has there been any word at all ever from the the Osborne camp? Uh, and do they know you guys do this? Do they approve of it? I've never heard anything like that, so uh, I, I don't believe at all that there's any disapproval at all. You know, we've been doing it for a few few years now, West Coast, East Coast. Uh, you know, so it's and it's very known. Uh, it's every year done at Nam on a really big scale. Uh, Brian does the three day event called the California Music Fest, where he does the Bonzo Bash and then a night of Randy Rhodes and then the Who. So uh, he definitely uh, you know does it on a real great scale <laughs> high profile yeah. yeah and so i'm sure the osborne's know and it seems like yeah. they are on still good terms with randy's family from what i understand i would definitely think so sure of course i mean we're honoring uh ozzy as well as randy rhodes you know it's it's the music of ozzy osborne so and and what does randy's playing mean to the history of rock to the history of of heavy metal how important of a figure is he as a guitar player one of the greatest rock guitar players ever, you know. Um, one of the reasons I play rock guitar, you know. Um, what could you say? The sound, the feel, the attack, the passion. He had it all. 
You know, even when you watched, or if you were lucky enough to see him live, I, I was not. But in videos, you could just see that fire in him. You know, that's what I get when I play. You know, I, I have always grown up trying to play. You know, with my heart. You know, with you know from inside, not so much the technical aspect and thinking of it. That's what I get from Randy, and I'm sure every guitar player out there who loves heavy metal or rock. Adores Randy Rhodes. You know? Cool. And who are some of the other musicians playing with you tonight? We know Brian Tishy, but who else? Brian Tishy, Phil Susan on bass, amazing. He was with Ozzy. Road shot in the dark, I believe. There you go, monster bass player. Oh my God, love him to death. He's such a sweetheart. Uh, Stephen LeBlanc on keyboards, amazing keyboard player. A huge resume, phenomenal. Um, Marzi uh, is on guitar. We have a whole bunch. Chris Cafferty on guitar. Dewey Bragg from Kill Devil Hill, which you could probably hear behind me. <laughs> We're trying to warm up in the next room. Uh, Phil X is, is playing a guitar. We got Ron Thal tonight, a longtime friend of mine from, uh, you know, growing up on Staten Island together. You know, incredible guitar player. Uh, so it's just a great night of, of uh, you know, throwing down. I mean, there's been different guys every year. Uh, Rudy Sarzo did it last year. Metal Mike is here. Metal Mike is here. I mean, yeah, it's just... The list goes on. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you guys, and uh, thanks for taking 10 minutes to talk with us on Talking Metal. And come back whenever you want. You know, I'm, I'm uh, right across the bridge there in Jersey, so we'll definitely hook up sometime soon. And have a great show tonight. Thank you so much, Mark. It's an honor, man. Thanks. I gave you everything, took you under my wing, with open arms, brought you
What you just heard was Dearly Departed, Adrenaline Mob featuring, of course, Mike Orlando, also A.J. Paro on that track. Uh, such sad news about A.J. Paro. You know, yep. you and I saw them perform last year in Heavy Montreal. Uh, when I say stole they, the yeah, stole when I say they, I mean Twisted Sister, not yep. Adrenaline Mob. And they just stole the show. They brought the house down. It was just such an amazing performance and uh, i'm just so bummed uh that aj has left us but i am happy that they're gonna at least do some more shows with with portnoy on drums and then then i guess that's it for twisted right well they they 2016 is supposed to be the 40th anniversary and farewell tour all wrapped into one so should be exciting. Should should mean more shows in the states because they only do like you know ten shows a year right now. So hopefully next year on the farewell they'll do twenty or twenty five, and hopefully they'll come to Heavy Montreal and tear down the house again. Because uh, hey, what a best, what a great way to end your career then on that Heavy Montreal stage out on that island would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna keep the Randy Rhodes theme going here. Um, Metal Mike was at the show. I, I spoke with him a lot backstage, but we didn't actually do an interview. He's a longtime friend of mine. He's going to be coming back on the podcast shortly. But one of the other guys that I did hook up with backstage was Bumblefoot. So we're going to get into an interview with him in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to play this song that Kelly Rhodes, Randy's brother, performed live at the at the Randy Rhodes Remembered concert in New Jersey. And it was one of my favorite moments of the night. This is an old song. Kelly claimed it was the first song Randy ever wrote. And it was on Quiet Riot 1, the original 1977 release. And then it was re-recorded with Bruce Kulik, Kelly Rhodes on vocals, um, Sarzo, Rudy Sarzo on bass, and Frankie Benelli on drums. It was recorded a number of years ago, I guess. Uh, and this, I thought he just, Kelly Rose just killed it. He was he was such a great performer. And again, one of my favorite moments of the night, seeing this song performed by Kelly Rhodes, Mike Orlando, and Brian Tishy, and Phil Susan. Again, the version of the song we're about to hear is Kelly Rhodes' Bruce Kulik, Frankie nice. Benelli and Rudy Sarzo. And if you're still with me, the song originally appeared on that 1977 Quiet Riot release with, of course, Kevin Dubrow doing the vocals and Randy Rhodes on guitar. So here we go. This is Back to the Coast featuring Kelly Rhodes, Randy's brother on vocals, Bruce Kulik on guitar, followed by my interview backstage at the Randy Rhodes Remembered concert with the one and only Bumblefoot.
Hey, we are still backstage here at the Randy Rhodes Remembered Concert in Englewood, New Jersey, checking in with our old friend, Ron Thal Bumblefoot. How are you, man? Very good. It's great to see you again, man. It's been too long. It has been too long. So let's talk about this concert that's going on here tonight. Uh, Randy Rhodes, one of the greatest hard rock and heavy metal guitar players of all time. What did he mean to you growing up as a guitar player? Very influential, actually. I remember first hearing the Randy stuff on Blizzard, and the first thing I did is I had to just redo all my gear. As soon as I heard him, I went and I got a new amp. I got a, my first Marshall. got a Marshall combo, and I got an MXR Distortion Plus, and I needed a vibrato bar, and I didn't have a guitar with one. I tried to make one out of this big giant screw that was stuck into this round thing that the strings went over that was and actually around and it was attached to springs that were holding it you know back the reverse tension you would push down the screw and i was like pushing down the vibrato bar and it lasted about three pushes before the whole thing snapped but that was my my first attempt to finagle something so that i could start getting into randy's stuff and just hearing these amazing sounds that i wanted to make <laughs> i wanted to make those kind of sounds how is he making those sounds so you studied his his setup you studied his what guitars he was using and his gear yeah i started getting into that and then just figuring out what i could do with what i had to, to try and come close and get what i needed to get and sure enough within i don't know a year or two i had a band called paradox in 1983 we would play all the little clubs and stuff and yeah, I was just barely 13, 14 years old. Half our set was Russian, pretty much the other half was old Aussie stuff. And yeah, I still have some of the old recordings too from back then of the band jamming on uh, Over the Mountain, which I'll be doing tonight with Jeff Watson and, and Chris Cafferty. And, yeah. Excellent. And how many songs are you doing tonight? Tonight will be three. I'm going to do You Can't Kill Rock and Roll, which I did back then. A song that. Ozzy has never played live, I don't think. Is that right? He never did it. I don't think he's ever played that live. Wow, I wonder why. But, yeah, so I'm going to do that one, do Over the Mountain and Crazy Train. I'm going to do that one with Jeff Watson, too. Cool. And let's talk about some of the other musicians. Uh, You know, we know Mike Orlando, yourself, uh, Jeff Watson. Who else is on board with you here tonight at the Randy Rhodes Remembered Concert? Well, of course, we got the amazing Brian Tishy, who at, at Soundcheck, as he was switching between playing drums and playing guitar in another song, I was calling him the Dave Grohl of metal, which pretty much, if you yeah. think about it, I mean, the guy plays drums, he writes songs, he can sing, he plays guitar, does it all really well. He is the Dave Grohl of metal. Yeah. So he's there. We got Chaz on vocals, kicking ass. We got Dewey on vocals, kicking ass. We got Kelly Rhodes here, who's going to sing a little bit and tell, do some storytelling. And uh, We got Metal Mike. My old friend Metal Mike is here. Uh, so good to see him again. It's been a while. Uh, God. Yeah, Phil Susan, uh, doing what he does. Sounds great. Great on bass. And, and, yeah. yeah. So many people here tonight. Uh, the list goes on and on. But uh, let's talk about what you're up to musically right now. i got to tell you, your, your last solo record, Little Brother is Watching, excellent, excellent stuff. And besides your great guitar playing and your great singing, what blew me away about this record is the songwriting. It's just 
outstanding. I feel like you've hit a new plateau with your songwriting. Great stuff. Thank you so much. How much time did you devote to songwriting for that particular record? You know, it's actually the first time that I wrote on the road. I was doing the, you know, I was touring South America with guns, and then three days later I was on the road with... uh, you know, the guitar god Zingve Malmsteen tour. In fact, the place we are right now, we, we played here almost exactly a year ago. It was June 17th, 2014, played here. And during all that touring until mid-July, I was just riding on the road, which I was never able to do. It was the first time that I was able to just push it all out and make it happen. Usually it has to be on my own secluded, hibernating time where I'm just focused and nothing else going on, no distractions, nothing uh, getting in the way. But, yeah. So I started December of 2013. I had a couple of songs that were lying around unfinished, but really it was December 2013, and I started recording in May in between the touring. And then by the time the touring was done in mid-July, that's when also all the, the writing was done and just finished up all the recording by December, mixed in January and off to, uh, off to the presses and, and out in February. Yeah, and uh, so many great songs. Argentina, one of my personal favorites on the record. What's the story behind that song? Was that written in Argentina when you were on the road touring with guns or something? That's an interesting one. That was a song that the vibe of it, it had this sort of kind of the uh, like a tango kind of feel and you know definitely inspired by Argentinian music and and South American music Uh, I had that one that was one of the unfinished ones that I was sort of holding to see where it should go and who I should do that song with and and you know just played out that everything ended up coming home and doing it on my album so while I was writing, and yeah, I was in Argentina writing as well, uh, and finished that song up. Just pretty much a, a three-part love tragedy story, which not necessarily has to even be about a, you know, a physical or emotional relationship one-on-one. I mean, it could be pretty much about any relationship you have that starts off, you jump in, not, you know, not without a care, you know, not knowing what you're really getting into, then... Once you're in it, you realize that two sides want different things, and it's not what you thought it would be. And then in the end, how just all the the passion that you had just goes dark. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, so many great songs. Title track, great song. We could we could go through it all one by one, but we won't do that right now because I know you have a show to do tonight. Um, real quick, Art of Anarchy a release coming up in next the, next week. Days, yeah. yeah, a couple of days. Um, a lot of all star guys in the band. There's there's been uh, you know some some stuff in the press squabbling back and forth. But all that aside, let's just talk about the music and um, how this all came about. So it started back in 2011. It was John and Vince Voter, these two brothers that, that play guitar and drums, and I've been working with them as their producer, God, for, yeah, a good 18 years, uh, since they were teenagers, and always worked with all their bands that they had, and they wanted to up things a notch, 
and they wanted to start their own label. And the first thing they wanted to put out was an album that has guests from really interesting places combined. And we started recording in 2011. And my schedule was very on and off where I'd be touring, and then we would get to record a little bit, and then touring, and then we would get to record a little bit. So it was a good year of getting our stuff down as far as my guitar parts and, and their songs and all their parts. And then John Moyer came in on bass, totally kicked ass. Uh, and then Scott was going to do a song, and then he agreed to do the whole album and signed on as as the singer and for the past year it's all been about just getting the best way to release it you know we got UEG management and after having them they felt that that we'd be much better off with a label rather than us hiring the team on our own to be the label that for the plans that we had for the release the way we wanted to do it we'd be better off with a label that that that's already in place and and has their groove going. So, uh, Century Media, they they were the ones and they were perfect. And they're giving it a great push. I just saw a full page ad in the new issue of Revolver magazine and a lot of stuff online. Well, that's great. Yeah, they definitely they stood behind it through any turbulence. Everything they they've they've been very supportive and fantastic. Definitely the kind of team that that. You know, more than we could ask for. Absolutely. So yeah, it comes out June 2nd in the U.S. and then outside the U.S. on June 8th. And we have the one video out to the song Till the Dust is Gone. And there's a few radio stations out there playing that one too. Uh, The label, they did a lyric video to the song Small Batch Whiskey. And then we have another video that we all did together, a performance video that down the road we'll put that out too. So, yeah, and then as far as what the future will hold, step by step, you know, we'll get the album out and see what happens. I mean, we've gotten some fantastic offers to play live, but we're going to have to sort things. Okay, cool. And that stuff aside, um, what else is going on for you musically in the near future? Ah, well, I've been traveling all over the world playing with artists, musicians from everywhere, uh, Bahrain, Cyprus, India, Malaysia, Brunei, Thailand, uh, the UK, uh, all kinds of places, and I've been enjoying the hell out of that, and been mixing it with a lot of charity work in these places, uh, working with a group called Roundtable India that builds schools out there and we're going to be doing more work together there's a seven c's foundation that's the letter c seven c's and they're in the oxford whitney area of of the uk and we're doing things together to uh to provide a, a nice environment for young people to be creative and and explore musically and creatively all that kind of stuff just to give them the support and and the thumbs up and a lot of organizations like that. There's Jester's Care for Kids in Thailand. Uh, did a whole thing for Bike Week out there and raised a lot of money. That's going to help a lot of kids. Uh, did stuff in the Philippines for uh, the Pasig River cleanup. Did a benefit show for that. Uh, a lot of things playing for children's hospitals. That That's what matters to me right now is taking what I do and just 
putting it toward a greater good. So I'm doing as much of that as I can, but I do need to get out there and I need to do a proper Little Brother tour for the new album. I definitely do. Um, this year is already booked up, so it would have to be next year. And that would be with Dennis on drums? or don't you Hopefully. Know? Yeah. Hopefully. We'll see how, how everything works out. Yeah. But yeah, but I definitely need to go out and, and play the stuff. And I've also been working with Daryl DMC McDaniels. I was going to ask you about that. I've been uh, hearing the tracks. Rob Machete's been playing me the tracks. Right. Yeah, and he just played me uh, an acoustic track you did just earlier today actually oh, and it, yeah so yeah good. it sounded sounded great and uh fired up sounds awesome and lot lizard great stuff great there's stuff so and more, yeah there's so many more songs that are that are just half finished that we're gonna get to but yeah so the generation kill guys great great band uh lot lizard i know is on itunes you can buy that now which you play you produce you yeah. help produce that and then you and play on it too yeah yeah laid a bunch of creepy fretless guitar stuff in there so that's this rap metal collaboration between generation kill and dmc and i came in as i guess the seventh member where i'm adding extra guitars and doing the final mixing and mastering and production and everything and and ramachetti plays a big role in that too he has a, a very good vision about how he uh sees everything or hears everything and and that's been fun as hell working with those guys great bunch of guys I agree. And Ron, thanks for joining us on Talking Metal. Have a great show tonight. We can't wait to hear your tribute to the great late Randy Rhodes. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. We go back quite a ways. A a long ways. I mean, I remember you playing the clubs in uh, Fairview, New Jersey. What was that club called? Uh, Uh, Wait, wait. I could picture it with the big pole blocking the view of the stage. Um, and the, the diner across the street. Yeah. There was, there was like a white castle right across the street. Oh, gosh. Anyways, yeah, I can't remember the name. What was the name of that? Yeah. Um, I remember the woman who booked the place, too. Yeah, like, Mar- yeah, Marissa or something. I don't know. Anyways, we'll figure it out. God. But, yeah, so going way back to then, and then uh, I've been a, a recurring guest. I'm so glad that you guys keep having me on and and being part of of each chapter and all the history of of this so cool it's great to be chatting with you again excellent thanks ron have a great show tonight thank you thanks so much this is highest goodbye young hearts
we just heard was the song Argentina by Ron Thal, Bumblefoot. What a great guy. You've had a, a long history with, uh, with Ron, right, Mitch? Yeah, Ron, Ron is absolutely fantastic. You know, I think I've told the story before, and even here on Talking Metal, when we did that Kiss tribute, he was one of the first people I contacted, probably the, the second person I sent an email to, and I said, do you want to participate? And within that night or that day, he sent me a completed version of um, Detroit Rock City, or at least a completed demo, vocals, the whole thing. And then, of course, after that, we added the drums and the bass and all that. But that's just what Bumblefoot does. I mean, he just, you, you give him a call and he goes, yep, and he's right on it. Uh, you know, on the uh, Rust Dwarf Wireless CD, we needed a, a solo for a song. 
and sent it to a Bumblefoot, and he sent it back, completed the same night. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he did two takes on the solo. He said, here's version A, here's version B, pick the one you want. And we just went, really? There's no negotiations? No, how much do we owe you? No, I'll get to it in six weeks. This, just like that. That's Bumblefoot. Just, yeah. just a really nice guy. And the other thing Braun is currently up to, I mean, there's just so much, is he's working with a guy who's become uh, my friend, Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC fame. Yeah. And they are recording with Rob Dukes, Rob Machete, the guys in Generation Kill, doing some great stuff, including a song called Lot Lizard, which is already for sale up on iTunes. And there's another song on the way called All Fired Up, which is just incredible and, and has uh, a great solo by Bumblefoot. And it sounds like they're doing more stuff. They've already played me two of the other tracks that don't yet have uh, vocals on them, but they have like Bumblefoot's guitar and Rob Machete's bass and stuff. And, and the, the stuff just sounds so incredible. So be on the lookout for Generation Kill. Uh, Bumblefoot and Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC fame. Uh, they are they are all working together and doing some great stuff together. So definitely be on the lookout for that. And let's now get into a little new Cold Chamber. I mean, how about that? After all these years, Cold Chamber is finally back. Yeah, with an album called Rivals, which I got to say, uh, surprised me. You know, when bands get back together, sometimes you think it's just some kind of a cash grab or a, you know, last ditch effort to save their career. But uh, no, this one, this one's good. This one's really good. Very impressed. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Des, you have to thank Des for that. He, he's focused. He's singing well. Texts are well written. Um really puts me in the mood to see them at at, at Heavy Montreal or, or anywhere where you may be. Uh, I think Cold Chamber is a band to go check out this year. This is the song Bad Blood Between Us off of Rivals by Cold Chamber. Definitely go to iTunes and download it, followed by Mitch LaFon's interview with Dez of Cold Chamber here on Talking Metal. Yeah. 
good. Uh, going to talk about your, your album Rivals and all that. Just before that, the last time I interviewed you was at the Heavy Montreal Festival with Devil Driver, probably 2011, 2012. All right, it? cool. And uh, I just wanted to say, because I didn't get a chance at the time, you, you were exceptionally... Uh, nice and and cordial and just a just a great person to to have an interview with i just wanted to thank you for that because i I remember that quite quite well Uh, i appreciate that thank you man well you know i there's you know i I guess there's there's people in this industry that don't act like that but it is what it is you know what i mean yeah no i I appreciate that and and i look at it like anybody that's interviewing me is uh helping to participate in the furthering of of where the band is going and reaching out to people. So you should always be cool to people who are supporting you. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that, that's certainly a very positive uh, way to look at it. And so anyway, I just want I just wanted to thank you for that, but let's, uh, let's get started with rivals. I mean, it is 13 years since dark days, um, quite a long time off. Do you look at that as a chance to start a new direction for cold chamber? Or do you go back and say, okay, what did we do do on Cold Chamber? What did we do on Chamber Music? Can we recapture that? What well, sound wise, how do you look at it going into it thirteen years later? Yeah, okay. You do not look back one bit and that's okay. the first thing that people did. We we wanted nothing to do with some kind of nostalgia trip or mm-hmm. going down the early nineties road uh whatsoever. And a lot of people don't know that we started talking in 2006 and actually demoed mm-hmm. two songs in 2009 together. But when we heard the tunes, they were obviously just exactly what Cold Chamber does. And the thing is that we, you know, our first record, our second record in Dark Days, all were so different from one another. I don't think we could find a record to go back to and go, okay, let's be like that. Let's be like Chamber Music. Let's be like Dark Days. And um, when we when we did those songs in 2009, it was obvious to us that we needed more growth, more maturity. So it took uh, it took till 2014 to even think about uh, doing music together. But in in 2012, when we were over uh, in Australia uh, doing Soundwave, mm-hmm. Neegs was playing stuff, uh, playing some music on his headphones. I grabbed his headphones and I said, "What is this stuff?" And he said, "It's some new music I'm writing." And that's where I said, "Okay, this is, it became very apparent to me that." Uh, the arrangements were, were uh, mature, the riffs were mature, things had grown. And I said, hey, I want to be part of this. Let's talk about doing music together. Yeah, which is important. Now, listen, you, you, you did six albums, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, six albums with Devil Driver. Um, is it sort of hard to, 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 to step away from that? Because you built up a following, you built up this catalog. Um, was it difficult for you to say, okay, I need to take a break from this? Does it sort of kill the momentum? No, not at all, because I think here's what Devil Driver was. We were nothing but momentum. I mean, we did 12 years of touring with not a second off. We logged more road miles and more shows than anybody in that amount of time. We put out six records in 12 years. Most mm-hmm. fans are lucky if they put out four in that amount of time. Uh, most fans take off a year off between cycles. We never yep. did that. So when Winter Kills came out, the sixth record with Devil Driver, it was it was hailed. It was critically acclaimed. It, it debuted higher than any of our further records. Yep. The shows were doing really well. Um, and I love, I love that, you know, that I built Devil Driver from the ground up with a bunch of good musicians and a bunch of, you know, a lot of work, but it became apparent to me that it was time to take time off, not only after 20 years of touring with no real time off to take time off, be with my family, be with my kids. And, um, I had decided to take almost two years away from Devil Driver, uh, let us rest for a year and then get back into making some music and put out a record, et cetera. Now during that time, 
that's when Cole Chamber approached me and said, we know you're taking this time off. You have a home studio. Why don't you go in and record during the day? You can still have dinner and hang out with your kids at night and your, and your family at night. Um, and then when shows start approaching, we'll ask you if you want to do them. Right. So, for instance, we just got back from South America. We did eight days over there. Um, we played, you know, Monsters of Rock uh, in Brazil with uh, Ozzy and Priest and Motorhead. And, and it was like we went over for eight days. So I come back home. It's like I'm still off. So I'm technically on and off cycle. Right. But I did a Cold Chamber record, and I'm doing some Cold Chamber touring on that record. Right. Uh, by the way, uh, the most important thing about uh, the Winter Kills album is that you release it on my birthday, which is very important to me. Uh, oh, very cool. <laughs> August 27th, 2013. So that, that was that was an important well, day to remember. What, that was right on. That was the last record um, with, yep. with that current lineup. There were some lineup changes and yep. changes that you know, needed, naturally needed to happen and should have happened years earlier. And, and, and now... I'm sitting on, uh, you know, 15 tracks uh, right now with Devil Driver and uh, Neil Timon on guitar and Austin Diamond. It's been just a great time. Uh, Mike Spritzer has been having a wonderful time writing, and they're actually writing today. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to probably, you know, I know this is a Cold Chamber interview, but since we're talking, I mean, I'm probably going to end up recording uh, Devil Driver by the end of this year and getting something out by mid to late summer next year. Yeah, well, which is what I'm looking forward to now. You mentioned that Cold Chamber wasn't sort of a walk in the past. It's not a nostalgia trip. So then why do it? It's not like you don't have a, another band going on. Uh, is it sort of a, a brand name thing over a band where it's just recognizable and it just makes sense? Uh, well, no, I think it was, you know, a lot of people are, are these, having this... Uh you know, speculations. It's like, okay, what did you want to just bring the brand up before it died? You know, mm -hmm. what, you know, did you get paid a lot of money? Was it a money grab? Was it, uh, you know, was it just like timing because uh, the bands that are, you know, huge right now, that are new metal bands are, you know, Slipknot, Corn, mm -hmm. Deftone, System of a Down. I mean, is it, is it because you did that? No, let me tell you why we did it. I think we did it because we did not want to have regret in life. Right. And I, I surely did not. So when I heard the music that they were writing, and after we'd already taken it around the world, done a reunion tour, uh, it's obvious you can only do one reunion in life, right. you know? So where are we going to go from here? Okay, well, you guys have great music. I mean, we either, and I told Neeks this too, I said, we either this is Cold Chamber music or not. Right. Like, we either you're writing it for Cold Chamber or not. I don't care if you want to call it something else, even, like, I would love to be, I would love to write vocals on this stuff. And it ended up to be like, no, let's, let's do Cold Chamber. Let's do music. Let's do new music. And I thought long and hard about it. It wasn't a decision I made overnight. I took weeks to sit around and ponder that. But I knew I was going to be out of the marketplace for a long time with mm -hmm. Devil Driver, and it was needed. I mean, like I said, Mike Spice has been at home building his studio and surfing. Mm -hmm. and I mean, he's 11 being off tour, which is unusual for us because we're road dogs. Right. And I think it was like, hey, let's not have regret. We were all getting along just uh, unbelievable. Uh, my drummer, Mike, is sober with a baby boy. Right. Neegs is married. And I guess what I'm saying is everybody's mature, everybody's getting along. So it's like, why not do this? I mean, well, first of I, all, definitely didn't, I definitely didn't want to look back 10 years from now and go, you know, man, we should have, you know, we should have, you know, recorded those songs I heard you doing. Right. You know? And, yeah. And I'll say one thing. Uh, uh, you know, when, when fans criticize for money grab, I, I always have a problem with that because it, it is the music business. Nobody's doing this 
uh, for free. I mean, you know, you still got to pay your rent. So, and as far as reunion tours, you only get one. But luckily, with farewell tours, as the Who, Kiss, and Ozzy have proven, you you get as many right, as you, you get as right, many as you right. want. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, as somebody who lives very uh, blue collar, this was certainly not some money grab. This was. But who for cares? Us, you know. Go, go ahead. I was going to say, who cares if it is? I mean, we're, we're we all work at life to pay our bills, and and we don't pay it with love and you know popcorn. It it takes cash. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no. no, look, I I totally get it. And and what I'm saying is, I'd be truthfully, I'd be, I'd love to go. Oh hell yeah, it was, and I'm set for life because we did this right. record. What I am saying and trying to get my point across is that like we did this for the absolute love of the music that was Which, coming out of what we were doing. Uh, the fact that we didn't want to live with regret and uh, the fact that, you know, my guys in, in Cold Chamber have been, I mean, you know, they've been doing music, but they haven't done music on a level that uh, they could travel the world and, and pay any bills, uh, you know, for almost 12, 13 years. And if I can come along back in their life and help that out for their families as well, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. You know, the thing that is resounding, it's not just about, you know, well, you went, you did Devil Driver for 12 years and six records, and, you you know, you really built something special there. Or you got Cold Chamber back together to do a record, and, and how special. The thing that needs to be resoundingly clear, and people need to just, like, hear and embed in themselves, is if you ever get a chance to make up with somebody in your life, a best friend that you fell out with over 10 years uh, over something stupid, an ex-girlfriend that you fell out with uh, over 10 years, a, a, a job, that fired you rightly so and you want to walk back in and be like, dude, I'm so glad you fired me because, you know, now I got my shit together because you fired me that day. I actually have one of those in my past life. Like, so I think that you need to take those opportunities, yeah. call those people, get, you know, make, make room in your life for not only forgiveness, but for to patch things up with other humans that have been in your life and given you, positive i mean yes in the end of cold chamber it was just horribly negative and people were strung out on drugs and it was not and i had to bail out and i didn't want to be part of it anymore and it sucked but man i look now and i see my friends and they're you know they're clean off of hard shit they mikey's you know sober and playing his ass off you know he has a little baby boy he's posting pictures of like Meigs is married i went to his wedding and like shed a tear it was like Watch these guys grow up. And we all were very young together in Hollywood together, mm-hmm. living, in a, living in a studio apartment, like stealing food from A&PM. We were so hungry, literally. Trading top ramen. I've got chicken. I've got this shrimp. I'll trade you tonight. Like, literally came from a place of complete poverty together. But when, when we got back together as friends and when, you know, here's a great example. The first... A day of rehearsals before we even thought about doing a record right. and we were just starting to say we were going to go tour. I got home and my wife goes, what'd you guys get done today? You know, like what songs did you play? So I said, and to be honest with you, nothing. All we did was laugh. I mean, we carried on for like six fucking seven hours, like kids to our tour managers. Like, are we going to play a song today? And we were like, I don't know. Maybe not. Like we're having such a great time, you know? And then when we did, it was like getting right on a bike. So all of those things, man, encompassed. Um, and it's the thing that should be way resounding is if you get a chance in life, man, yeah. you know, to, 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 to reconnect with someone you fell out with, it's very important to do that, man. Yeah, and very. I was, was going to mention that. I mean, how much of this 
is beyond the music business and beyond and just being part of sort of a psychological healing, just part of getting a chance to, to, to get a do-over. I mean, we don't get a lot that, of chances. That's all this is. That's all this is for me. That's it. Now, the fact that we made a great record, now that's the icing on the cake. Yeah. Because even, even our manager at the time and the record label at the time yeah. did not know that we had an inward pact that if we listened back to the record completely together and we felt that it wasn't something new, fresh, uh, had something to say, it was good, and it was our best foot forward, that we wouldn't put it out. That we'd do everything we could to just pay off whatever it took to make it and have them shelf it. And, and, and sure enough, we, we all got together and listened to it. And it just so happened that that was the night that Jurgensen was over here. Yeah. And we were all in the room. We all listened to the record. And, you know, after the whole record was over, everybody, including Al, was like, holy shit, man, this thing is a monster. And, you know, so that's the icing on the cake for me because it is all mental. I mean, you know, you, you can say what you want, but the, the shows have been packed. So what I say is this. We, we've either really struck a chord back in the day or people have a long memory, and I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, and, 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 and it must feel nice to be able to look Mike in the eye and not feel hate and actually say, hey, you know what? There's my brother in front of me, right? It's, it's, it's got to oh, be a dude, nice way. 13 oh, years yeah. later. Dude, there was a time when I put my head on the pillow every night wishing, you know, Needs and Mike would slip off a curb, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I'm sure... And, and, and they I'm probably sure felt they, the same they, way. Sure. Oh, fuck yeah, they felt the same way. Fuck yeah, it was like, you know, it was... Yeah, I mean, I called him from an airplane 30,000 feet up, sliced my card through and said, that's it, I'm on an airplane, it's done. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm not coming back. Like, yeah, it's it sucked. It sucked for everybody, dude. And people don't realize that, you know? Like, I moved my whole family into a fucking studio apartment. All my kids, all my dogs are into a studio apartment for two and a half, three years while I restarted Devil Driver, got back in a van, opened up for everybody who ever opened up for me. And they went into, uh, you know, a, a, a real gnarly downward spiral yep. in their personal lives. Like, they need to write a book on their struggle to get off of, Awesome. Off of hard drugs, yeah, yeah, because um, the, the, what I, from what I hear from Meigs and Mike, it was like, you know, the most fucking pain, you know, the most insane thing ever. I mean, they need to write a book about strength, because two, those two dudes, right? Those are two of the strongest guys I fucking know. They came back out of from the abyss, out of the total abyss. People uh -huh. don't come back off of off of methamphetamines like they were using and alcohol and, and I mean, Meigs and Mike will tell you stories about, you know, getting chased by the cops and beat up by the cops on the side of the road. And like, I mean, dude, just the most insane stories from them coming back. So where I am with it, where they are now, yeah. it's like, these are my brothers. Like, and I got to be there for them. They got to be here for me. And, you know, unless it falls back into any of those cycles again, I'm going to be here for culture for as long as they want to have me. While, all that was going on. There was a time that you weren't there for them because you just you weren't talking. Uh, no. Is there is there any guilt about no. having no? Not one. No. Okay. No way. If I didn't if I didn't leave when I did, they, right. they will both acknowledge this. If I I realized I went on stage every single night, mm -hmm. was putting money in their pockets to have them live the lifestyle we were living. Okay. Which was over the top hotel suites, hard drugs. Booze, women. I mean, it was fucking. It was insane. rock and roll. And I, you know, and let me tell you, man, I'm partly to blame because I'm such a private guy. Mm -hmm. I'm so fucking reclusive. 
Yep. I like I like some weed and some wine. I don't hang out at all with people backstage. I'm not I'm not that kind of guy at all. I, I really enjoy going on stage and the traveling, but all the other shit that surrounds uh, heavy metal uh, touring, et cetera, I'm not really. I'm not a fan of it. A lot of people say, you you know, you did the wrong job, but I mean, <laughs> no, I'm getting over that. You know, I'm getting over that. Yeah. I can go to a meet and greet now with 50 people and not like be the first to bail out, but literally it's against my nature, you know? So I'm partly to blame because yep. I didn't step up too and be like, dude, what the fuck is going on here? But I mean, I said my piece a bunch of times and, and tried to say my piece and say, this, uh, this thing is going down in flames. What the fuck is going on? We have a shot here. All the other bands that we took out on tour are getting bigger than us right now. Like, what are you doing? And fuck it, I had to leave, and I'm glad I did. There is no, there is no remorse for leaving because now I look at these guys and their life is so happy and together and straight. Right. Meigs is one of the happiest people I've ever toured with. He literally will come say goodnight to you every night at one or one thirty, give you a hug, and go to bed. He's like the fucking nicest guy to tour with I've ever toured with in my fucking life, man. How much of this sort of new maturity and, and new sort of friendship with the guys comes from the fact that you became a parent. How how much did parenting change you? Because it, it sort of readjusts your perspective on what's important in life, right? 100%. I mean, I know that my drummer, Mike, now his whole world is his baby boy bash. A little over a year now. I mean, mm -hmm. he's it's his world. So he understands where, I mean, when I left the band, I had two young children. Right. Like, like young children, like toddlers, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, I couldn't have any of that stress in my, in my life. And so when I bailed, now he understands. He's like, yeah, dude, I know exactly why you bailed. Like, you know, you had, and I know exactly why you started Devil Driver. Cause like, what else am I going to do? I guess I could go back to Brick Lane and all the other things that I was before I had a record deal, but my wife wasn't having that. She was like, fuck no. You're one of the best front men. She, you know, she's always been the, the strength behind my whole life. She's like, you, you need to get out there and do this again. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, are you shitting me? Like, how do you do that? I mean, we just got done touring the world with fucking Pantera and, and soccer stadiums with Black Sabbath. And we've done Ozfest more than many times, but Oz, you know, more than anybody but Ozzy. And we've, we have gold records. Like, what are you talking about? Like, okay, like literally rent a van and go again. And she's like, you've got to do it. Yeah. And I fucking... You know, and I did. Now, now, here's the thing that people ask me too. Like, if if Devil Driver wasn't around, would Cold Chamber still exist? I don't know. Because if I never would have got back into music, thirteen years later, would I want to get back into music out of nowhere and do Cold Chamber? I mean, that would have been a little weird, man. You know. Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad I stayed in it for not only my family and my career, and, and plus I love Devil Driver to death. I mean, I can't wait to fucking put out a new record you know, and, and get on tour with positive vibes with some newer guys. But, but also like, I think it, it really had to, it really kept Cole Chamber in the back of people's minds. People were always wondering if we were going to do it or not. <laughs> it's funny. We did the, the first show we did back was Australia in front of about 70,000 right. fans. That's and right. I come walking out of the dressing room and I had like a big, huge black stripe across my eyes, like a big, fat one like a war paint almost and like i remember seeing uh a couple of friends of mine that were singers in other bands who were back there like they looked at me and the first thing they said is fuck yes and you did the makeup yeah you know what i mean like okay yes and you're doing it the right way and like the whole side of the stage was filled dude with like every band that we ever opened up for or that ever opened up for us that was out there at the time yeah. like all on the side of the stage watching us and at that point i thought okay we definitely have something special here yeah. 
you know, I know you have another interview coming up in about 10 minutes, so let me let me just go back to the album Rivals for a second. You had Al Jorgensen of Ministry uh, come out and, and offer some vocals in suffer, on Suffer in Silence, I should say. Uh, what is it like working with him? Because he's one of those sort of cult, classic kind of individuals that, you know, it's like, hey, it's the guy from Ministry. That's pretty kind of cool. Uh, what was it like to have Al singing on, on the album? You know what, man? I've been very fortunate over 20 years to work with so many iconic guys. I mean, you have to go to my Wikipedia so I don't just sit here and name drop. But it, I've never lost that feeling like as a kid of, oh, my God, I get to work with this guy. Even if I've known him and I've hung out with him for years, which Al's, that's the case with Al. I've known Al for years, right. years and years and years, 10 years. Um, if we ever see each other at a festival, we always end up drinking wine together or come to Texas, stop by his house. He's living out here in California. We've been going to dinner and hanging out. Um, I mentioned that while I was recording the record, I told him that if he wanted to jump on, he'd be like the only guy that really understands. He understands what Cold Chamber does because we're we're equal parts like goth, punk rock, and heavy mm-hmm. metal, you know? Yeah. And that's what that guy understands. Um, and I told him the, the name of the song, what it was about, suffering and silence, you know, keeping keeping quiet for too long about shit that you should be saying, and you finally end up, you know, suffering in silence within yourself. And he was like, I'm into it. Let's do it. So he came down to the house. We had a big Italian meal, drank a bottle of wine, yep. and uh, went into my studio, man. I watched him sit on my couch with my Doberman beside him, and he loved my dog. He was hanging out with my dog. All day. And then here's the thing that really was a, a holy shit moment, is that I hear Al Jurgensen in my own studio getting the ministry voice through the speakers, and all of a sudden, there it is, and it's on our record. Yeah, I mean, just fucking slap me across the face, you know, at that uh, point. I mean, you know, you're going to have to tell me I'm awake, you know, like, okay, you're awake. Yeah, that's one, so. of, those, that's one of those moments, right? I mean, and, and you've got that, I was going to say on vinyl, but you've got it on tape for like eternity now. That, that's, that's a cool moment. Now, uh, man, I've got, I mean, we filmed the whole thing. I've got that for eternity. I mean, I, it, you know, cool. it's just, it's just incredible. And, and, and here's the thing, too. Like I said, I never take those moments for granted. You know, doing Shock the Monkey with Ozzy or, yep. you know, et cetera, down the line. It's like, how do you ever take those moments for granted? I mean, I guess some dudes do. Their ego gets the best of them. But, like, I will never take that shit for granted, man. I fucking, tch, you know, I feel I feel lucky, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and, and now, and let me get back to it, to festivals. The last time I spoke to you, like I said before, was at Heavy Montreal. And I forget if it was yeah. 2011 or 2012. It was a couple of years ago, at least. Uh, you're coming back this year uh, to Heavy Montreal yeah. in August. Um, if you can, just sort of tell me a little bit about the experience you had a couple of years ago and what you thought of the festival, and sort of what are you bringing to the festival this year? Well, I think the, the festival was really well run. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And we were treated really well, and I guess yes. the crowd was, was killer. And mm-hmm. so it's always been uh, a favorite place of mine, for sure, to yeah. come through. and. And the thing is, is that what, what we're bringing with this, we're bringing Coal Chamber. Now, we're bringing, you know, our, our production. We're bringing video light walls and everything. We're bringing our production with us and stuff. And I think, you know, we're bringing, I don't know how long we're allowed to play, 45 minutes to an hour. It's probably about I 45 think. to an hour, yeah. Probably. Yeah, perfect. I mean, you know, so you got to understand Coal Chamber because we, I'm, not real, I'm not a guy on stage who wants to talk to you a lot. Right. So, at all. So we we bring like 15 songs in less than an hour. So if we if they give us any of that amount of time, then 
that's about the kind of set list we're going to play too. 13, 14, 15 tracks. Good. I encourage that. I mean, it's nice to have a frontman that talks, but at the end of the day, fans pay to hear songs. We don't care for 10 minute guitar solos and 12 minute drum solos. Just, you know, shut up and play kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm right. Glad, I'm there glad. you go. There you go. And it's part of my, like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's part of my, just, you know, part of my reclusive nature. It's like really the mic's on, you know, now here you go. It's like, well, okay, cool. Let's talk real quick between songs and then let's get it going. There's no no need to sit up there and give my views on, you know, on, on, so, on the social outlook of what's going on and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, you know? Well, that's what impressed me about the Devil Driver set that I saw back then is that you were just going song after song after song and basically you just pummeled people right between the eyes. And you know what? That's what a show should be. We don't need the right the, the 12-minute solo with... Hey, come on, fans! You sing the chorus. It's like we came to hear you sing the chorus. So, could you please? Right on, yeah. right on. I got that. Yeah, I got that. I hear you. I mean, but you got to understand too. That's Devil Driver's nature. Right. Like our nature. Our nature is to be like the thing in the room with the sharpest teeth and sharpest claws. Like, and that will always be the nature of that band. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Cold Chamber is, is is very very different. While we still have those claws. Yeah. We also have some pretty soft fur, you know, like, so it's a different <laughs> yeah. story. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Now, before uh, before we uh, we wrap up here, um, just quickly, Sharon Osbourne, uh, you had a chance to, to work with her. She managed you for a while. Um, good relationship, bad relationship. How, how do you look back on the days with Sharon in your corner? Well, obviously, uh, uh, a titan of a family. Uh, she was a titan of a manager, mm-hmm. uh, a very good friend. Right. Uh, she, she's one of the people that once she met my wife, told me, you better marry that girl. Mm-hmm. And I've been with her now 18 years. So I thank her for that. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she was uh, very instrumental in our career in the beginning. And, yeah. and, um, and uh, you know, it, it was an honor just to have her in the corner and be able to work with Ozzy, et cetera. Now, the last time I saw her was... I think a year or two ago, a download in uh, in uh, England, and man, it was just nothing but a huge hug, and actually both of us were in tears, and uh, my current manager at the time walked up, and he saw us, you know, in tears, and he got in tears, and you know, it, it's so it's good to see her whenever I do, and I certainly have a, a massive amount of respect for what her husband is, does, oh, or has done, you know what I mean? I mean, good God. Um but what she's done on her own with herself as well, and what all the kids have done with their careers and their lives, uh, you know, it's it's just awesome to see. You know, I, I knew I knew that whole family when they were nothing but young kids. And, um, you know, I knew Sharon when she was just just kind of the wife of Ozzy and the manager of Ozzy. You know what I mean? Right. Now she's done so many other things, and look what she's done with his career. So it's just it's uh, wonderful to to know that I have a back history with somebody so uh, so special and iconic in the. Uh, yeah, you know, in the universe, in the universe of music and TV and film, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that that some might question her methods once in a while because it can be sort of harsh. But at the end of the day, she's got a successful family, successful business enterprise. You you, you certainly can't argue with the results. And uh, she's... well, I mean, let me tell you what, what. Let me tell you what happens. I mean, you got to understand. I'm Italian, so what happens when you're soft in business mm-hmm. is you're is you're fucked. Yeah, your family, your family's fucked. Your business is fucked. Right. Whatever you're going through is fucked. You can't, you can't be soft in business. Not, not whatsoever. No. And, uh, you know, she handles her business like she's taking care of her family. So I admire her a great deal. I mean, 
That's that's just fact. Right. You know, and anytime I see her, you know, she's or if I hear she's somewhere near me in catering or this and that, if she's on premise, I'm immediately I'm out the door to go and pay my respects to that woman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Des uh, always a pleasure, and and I'll be at the Heavy Montreal Festival. I certainly uh, look forward to, to to seeing you back there. And uh, right on. Well, I, I look forward to putting out Rivals, man, and having everybody hear this record. Yeah, it's just uh, it's been getting so much positive feedback, and you know, you know very well because we've talked, you know, numerous times. But you live in a bubble as an artist. You know, you you mm-hmm. do a record, and so you start putting out these secure. Uh, secure websites where people can hear the music and everything else. I mean, you know you like your own music, but you, I want to hear it back. And what I've been hearing now, 300 interviews later, is like just overwhelming for me because they're all saying the same thing, you know. You guys stumbled upon a new sound. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you managed to not even update your sound. They stumbled upon something new now, and uh, they love the record. And so it's, it's cool to hear, man. And just tell everybody, I said, I appreciate it very much. Go pick up the record. and. And we'll see you at Heavy MPL. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I will say, just to end on Rivals, is what I like about the album is that it doesn't sound contrived. It doesn't sound like you were aiming for a market or a fan base. It sounds honest. It sounds like, here's where we are in 2014, 2015. This is what we sound like. Take it or leave it. And I, and I just appreciate that honesty in it. And and the two videos Thank you, man. sound Thank you. great. Thank you. I mean, it, it, I think it would have been very easy, that that being said, I think it would have been very easy to, to have this record be skewed for some media format or some monetary gain. It'd be very easy for me to just sing a big, clean chorus and this and that and make sure I have a radio song, et cetera, et cetera. But we had a label that was very much behind us that wanted us to just do what we wanted to do from the heart. Yep. And uh, and once we did that, I mean, it was like everybody that's around was like, okay, affirmative, you know. Yeah, so no. I appreciate that, and and I think what you're hearing too is people got to know like that record is not recorded to a click. Right. So you're hearing so much push and pull in the music, man. That you know, even me, it's not like I couldn't spend three hours uh, tracking um, a chorus and then cut and paste it through the whole song. Everything's got to be sung, and everything's got to have energy. And yeah. most of those tracks were vocally were cut you know either first second or third take otherwise we would stop for the day literally yeah and and that's what that's that's also what i mean by the honesty it 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 sounds like one of those records from the 1970s where four guys got into a studio and played none of this that's it i appreciate it man thank you and let uh, me let me get this next call but i thank you very much man absolutely and see you at heavy montreal see you at heavy montreal cheers
just heard was shock the monkey by cold chamber featuring ozzy osbourne and a lot of ozzy talk on today's show a lot of randy Rhodes talk on today's mm-hmm. show and speaking of randy you have a good randy story coming up on a future episode of your podcast which is called one-on-one with mitch lafon correct yeah absolutely i uh you know the bullet boys have a new album called elefante and of course mark torian is there lead singer and he back in the day back in those randy road days had been called in and got the gig to replace randy on the uh, aussie tour and he did a month of rehearsals and he did the whole thing he was the next guy he was going to be it and you'll hear the story on on one-on-one as mark tells it but eventually ozzy decided "Eh, you're too young i gotta go with somebody else and so they brought brad gillison but for a month that gig belonged to Mark Torian of the Bullet Boys. He was going to be replacing Randy Rhodes and Ozzy's band. Cool wow. story, actually. Very yeah. cool story. Wow. Wow. Because there was that guy. Okay, so I'd have to go back to the history books. but I, So Randy died. They were back on the road like two or three weeks later with, I think, what was it, Bernie Torme or something? Uh, Briefly yeah. before. Yeah, Torme. Before they got they got. Gillis, which came a little bit later. So, wow, it's interesting that Mark somehow fits in there. I wonder if they were rehearsing with him on the side while they had Bernie Torme on on the road or 
or what, but interesting stuff and something I was unaware of, actually. I know Lynch had been contacted by the Aussie camp at least two times, but I feel like it was uh, earlier when they went with with Randy and then later when they ended up going with Jake. Um, I need to check that, too. But yeah, You know, I, I think that's just things bands do because you look at Kiss with their guitarist situation when they replaced Ace. I mean, they had Richie Sambora and they had Doug Aldrich and they had Vinnie Vince and they had all these people come in. And same thing when they uh, replaced their drummers. They had, you know, before Eric Carr, they also had uh, Frankie Benelli come in. They had a whole bunch of... I think that's just what those those guys do, right? They they set up rehearsals and bring in fifteen of the hot shots from the local scene and Well so know. Kiss had, had Frankie Benelli come in? Sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. okay. Oh, that's interesting. Cause I know so did Ozzy. Ozzy had had Frankie Benelli come in. Um and Randy was actually Randy Rhodes was the guy who who coordinated that at one point. Uh I guess it was before I don't know if it was before they brought Tommy Aldridge in or when that was, but uh, definitely Frankie jammed with Randy and, and Ozzy too, and it, it didn't end up working out. It sounded like the way he made it out to me was that the the what they offered him for a salary wasn't good enough for yeah. him to do it at the time, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and remember, Frankie was all over the place back in those days. Before Quiet Riot became a band, Frankie was playing on Billy Idol records. Yes. Frankie was a so he plays the drums on on the big single "Money Money." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. and 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 he yeah. So Frankie Frankie was one of those in the scene, around the scene guys in the early '80s. And of course, all these bands uh, who needed a big drum sound tried out uh, Frankie. And then, of course, Quiet Riot broke, and that was the end of his sort of running around days. He he had his own gig, but yeah. And you got to love Frankie, by the way. The new Quiet Riot uh, documentary is fantastic. I have not seen it. I don't have. I don't have Showtime, and and no one has sent me an advanced copy. But I plan. I plan to pick it up. Uh, definitely sounds like it's a, a great, interesting watch. Yep. Yeah, it really is. Cool. So there you go. Yeah. Anyways, Mitch, thanks for joining us. Uh, we encourage people to check you out on Twitter. You have a couple Twitter accounts. At uh, yep. Mitch Lafon is one of them. And your shows are available on talkingmetal.com or talkingmetal dot or talkingmetaldigital.com in the one-on-one section. And of course you're on all the other normal, regular podcast platforms such as yep. iTunes, Spreaker, uh, iHeartRadio, um, tune in. You you can find one on one with Mitchell Fawn just about everywhere. Stitcher, all all those wonderful places. And uh a few months after the shows come out, I'll throw them up on YouTube as well. Usually like two months later, just to sort of document everything, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. And can we play like maybe 90 seconds of that Detroit Rock City song to take us yeah, out Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Play the yeah. whole thing. Cool. I, I think it's it's fantastic. I think, uh, I think Bumblefoot de- de- definitely deserves credit for that. And he's singing on it, which, uh, you know, until then... You, you never really heard him sing a lot, especially if, if you were following the Guns N' Roses stuff. So all of a sudden, here's this great voice that comes out and a great version. They they really nailed it. Yeah, they really. kill it. They kill it. It's so Absolutely. good. Do yourself a favor. Uh, go buy this track so you yep. have it on your, your phone or your computer on iTunes or Amazon or, or wherever you can. Well, it's on iTunes right now. The, oh, it's the, not on Amazon? 
The physical CD sold out. Because I'm in Canada, there is no MP3 store for Amazon up here. Oh, okay. okay. So I didn't have access, but it's it's on iTunes everywhere. And, uh, yeah, you know what? It's definitely worth picking up. And, of course, the money does go to help out a charity. That, that was the whole purpose of the project. It wasn't just to uh, put some cool Kiss songs out there. But we managed to do it anyway. <laughs> right on. This is Bumblefoot on guitar and vocals, Brian Tishy on drums, and Rex Brown of Kill Devil Hill fame and Pantera fame on bass. Check it out now on Talking Metal. Thanks, guys. Check me out on Facebook. I'm at facebook.com slash mstriegel. Talking Metal also has a Facebook, actually two Facebook pages. So go and like those, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>